Psalms chapter 23. Thank you for your continued support and giving. You can uh, leave your offering here at the front in the offering plate this morning when you leave. And... Um, or you can give online. There's ways to do that online, so you can check that out in the bulletin. And uh, this week, we're still continuing our Bible study on the gifts of the Spirit, and that's uh, pretty exciting stuff that we're learning there. And so that's uh, Wednesday, this Wednesday at 7.30 on Zoom. You can find the link in the bulletin on our website, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to join us there for that. Psalm 23, reading from verse 1. A psalm of David. Excuse me. <clears throat> the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will Fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Would you pray with me and ask God to reveal his word to us afresh this morning? Lord, we we thank you for your presence. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in our church today. Lord, I pray a revelation, fresh understanding of your word to comfort and to strengthen and to drive us closer to you and bring us into greater understanding of your will for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated this morning. The Psalms, the book of the Psalms is a collection, uh, a collection of Poems and songs that are sung and prayed by the Jews. It is their prayer book. It is their song book. It is what they use to give voice to their prayers unto the Lord. They're not all written by one author. The Psalms are, are not all David's writings, although David did pen um, about 71 of them, uh, but, uh, 71 of the 150 songs that are written in the book of Psalms are written by David, and this one we read this morning is a psalm of David. Some of the other authors of the psalms in the book of Psalms is the sons of Ahaph, Solomon, Moses, Ezra, and uh, the sons of Korah, others who also wrote and penned these words and, and the basic theme of the Psalms is prayers, praise, repentance, deliverance. Uh, um, there's messianic Psalms, so the God fulfilling his promises kind of Psalms. And, and really, it's, it's, it's not avoiding life's trouble. What I love about the Psalms is in, even within the same Psalm, you'll find the highs and the lows of life in the same one. You'll find questions and confessions of trust amidst uncertainty. The Psalms don't sugarcoat anything. Um, uh, sometimes I go to the Psalms for comfort, and I leave more depressed <laughs> than I was when I first started reading because I read about people who are descending and making their bed in the pit of hell. 
And so I'm just like, well, that's not super comforting. Um, but I also read where they ascend to the heavens. And even though they're in the heavens or they're in the bed of the, the pit of hell, the, the presence of God is there. And so amidst the trouble, there is an assurance that God is with them, that God is for them. Psalm 23 is a popular psalm. It is actually a beautiful piece of poetry. It's very melodic in its, and it's even in its translation into English. It's just beautiful the way it's written and the way it's penned and the words and and everything just flows very nicely together many songs have been written with these words that have been uh penned to to uh exalt and give praise to god but i i think you know it's just the nerd in me that looks at it and goes i i wonder what it looks like from david's perspective because i I read it and I get certain mental images when I read the the Psalms and especially Psalms 23. It's a very, it's very metaphorical, right? The Lord is my shepherd, um, you know, painting God in the image of a shepherd and that makes me a sheep, right? And that's not real. I'm not really a sheep. Um, although, well, no, I'm not going to go there. I'm, I, I it's very metaphorical, right? It's it's a metaphor for something. And, and the same way that the shepherd cares for his sheep, the Lord cares for me. It's it's what, what David is, is is describing. He's he's bringing these two worlds together and he's comparing and contrasting the beauty of God and his ways in in with the way that we live and the way that we are and what we can what, how we can have a relationship with him. Now, I have a slide that's going to help illustrate some of this for me and hopefully bring you along with me this morning. Um, but when you, when you study out the Jewish shepherd, um, because we can, every culture does it a little bit differently, although they have very similar practices. But for the, the shepherds in Israel, um, shepherds tend to be nomadic in nature, meaning they don't. They don't uh, put their roots down too deep anywhere. They're, they travel, and while they may have a home base that they come back to, when they're grazing their sheep, because of the nature of the, the climate, they really have to travel quite a bit. And so shepherds, if you want to throw that first picture up there, are, are typically very young. Shepherds are very young. They're not, they're not old men per se, and rather... Not that old men cannot be shepherds or, or anything like that, but typically the older men would stay back at home base or at the camp and, and, and tend the camp, tend the home, care for the matters of the camp, while the younger shepherds would take the, the, the sheep out into the fields and into the, into the grazing pastures and he, the, they would tend to lead them. And so it was with young David. You can click through the first couple slides there. Uh, he was young as a shepherd. He was the youngest of his brethren. And, and it's interesting when you read the story of David, now you can understand, why, what is David doing out with the sheep while all the older boys are at home? Because typically the younger ones were the ones charged to go out in the field and tend the sheep and take care of the sheep. And so it was. David's father was at home when the prophet Samuel came. 
to anoint the next king of Israel. In fact, they had to go get David out of the field because they brought all the older boys home and they left the younger one out in the field. Now, that's really counterintuitive to our culture. I think we would tend to bring all the young ones home and leave the older one out there, you know, the more responsible. But, but the younger you were, the more apt you were to go out and be in the field. And grown men rarely travel with the flocks. It was often the young boys and the young men that went out in the field. Uh, go through the next couple pictures there, just showing you pictures. The, this is a real picture in Israel of shepherds leading their sheep through a, a crevice or rock crevice, and it's hard to see it, but, but those shepherds there are quite young looking. They're not old, haggard men leaning on their staffs. They're young. They're spry because the terrain requires lots of agility. And so when David was young, he learned that the Lord was a lot like his shepherd, that David would spend time in the fields caring for his flock. Go to the next one, if you will, please. Uh, David would spend time in the fields caring for his sheep and meeting their needs and tending to them. And while he learned at a young age what it was to be a shepherd, he was also learning something about God. And he began to pen these words, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I, I'm the one that needs guidance and direction, and the Lord is my shepherd. Later on, he would, he would lead a nation of people, and not just shepherd a flock of sheep, but he would shepherd the people of God as a king. But for now, he was learning the throes of caring for the sheep. And in this, he was learning how God cared for them. No doubt one of the first things that David learned as a shepherd was the importance of the sheep knowing the voice of the shepherd. Over time, the shepherd's voice, as the sheep grow and become familiar with their shepherd, they they learn to trust and depend and rely on the direction of their caretaker. Shepherds sometimes use dogs and other animals to help corral the sheep and keep them together because sheep tend to wander. Sheep tend to just keep going, and uh, they're, they're liable to go off the edge of a cliff. They're just, you know, mindlessly grazing and going along, doing their thing, not really aware of the dangers around them. And, and it was important for the sheep to learn the voice of their shepherd. It's actually very powerful, the voice of the shepherd in the life of the sheep, because uh, the, the, the sheep learned the voice of the shepherd to the degree that they could actually mingle herds together. They could easily, shepherds for the sake of safety, you know, safety in numbers and more eyes watching the flock, they could actually combine flocks together, graze for a while or come together at nighttime. And then in the morning, the shepherd would utter his specific whistle or call and the sheep would separate. The sheep would go with their shepherd and, and the, two, the two groups would go in separate directions and not one sheep would be unaccounted for the sheep would know the voice. And so it's interesting because Jesus actually uses 
this illustration in John chapter 10, verse 2. He says, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And to him the gatekeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. Jesus was using this same illustration. At nighttime, they brought a bunch of herds together and put them in the same area. But in the morning time, the sheep would hear the voice of the shepherd and they would leave their place of safety and leave their commingling of other groups and they would follow their shepherd. Verse 5 says, a stranger they will not follow, but flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Now you might think, okay, well this is just, you know, that is it really is it really like that? Well, there's a little video here. This is uh, a modern, really, a modern shepherd, probably in uh, uh, Ireland or somewhere, just by the, the nature of the thing. And you'll watch as he stands. Go ahead and play it. He's just standing there, and he begins to utter a call. Listen. You have to think a lot of those sheep are far away how long it's taken them to get there. But all he did was utter a little call. And before you know it, he's surrounded. He's surrounded by his sheep. They're spread all over the countryside, going in different directions. But here they are coming to their shepherd because the sheep know the voice of their shepherd. They know what he's going to do. He's going to provide for them going to take care of them. All he had to do was call. All he had to do was utter a little voice, a little call, and, and, and over time, they eventually came. They came, they came, they came because the sheep know the voice of their shepherd. And this is how David experienced life. He lived in this kind of setting, in this situation where he could, he could just call his sheep and they would come running. And so David begin to realize that it's much in the same way with God, that God speaks and God utters his voice and 
his people, those who are attuned to his voice, know the voice of the shepherd. They don't kick up a fuss that their shepherd is calling them. They simply come because they hear the voice of their shepherd. John 10 and 3, Jesus says, the gatekeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. He has a name for them. He has an identity for them. He calls them by their name and by their identity, and they they scatter randomly throughout the day. But when the shepherd calls, they come home. They come home. Shepherds were known to keep a little sling next to them or tied to their pouch, their belt. And if a sheep was way too far away that the shepherd could not hear his voice, he would simply pull out his sling and uh, take a little pebble and fling it out all the way, and with a, a tremendous accuracy, be able to hit that sheep that was out of range of his voice and get the sheep's attention and call again, and the sheep would eventually turn around and hear the voice of his shepherd and come. And, and it really reminds me of that verse in Isaiah 59.1 that says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. His ear is not dulled that he cannot hear because he is my shepherd. He can reach me wherever I am and he can touch me where I am and call me and beckon me. And if the Lord is my shepherd, then I know I will not lack. I will not be in want. In other words, my, my needs will be taken care of because the shepherd loves me. His job is to take care of me, is to provide for me and and, and, and I will not really lack anything that I need. Now, the, there may be things that I want, but when, when it comes to the things that I need, the shepherd will always provide for what I need. And, and it's really illustrated in the very next verse, Psalm 23, verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And this is where we diverge a little bit between a Jewish shepherd and maybe a North American or European shepherd, okay? So this is, this is where we, we have to address this, this verse here because he makes me lie down in green pastures, gives me the idea that, that I'm like the lamb lying down in waist-deep alfalfa, right? Go ahead and put the next couple pictures up for me, Grace. We have this, this picture of, of lambs, go ahead to the next one, lying down in, in beautiful green grass, deep and lush. Maybe there's another one there you can throw up there. Yeah, just like almost hidden by how much he just makes me lie down in the, the nicest, quietest, most luscious pasture that that everything I need is taken care of, and I'm, I'm wealthy beyond my years, and I'm wise, and I'm taken care of, and I'm whole, and I'm, I'm fat, I'm not hungry, I'm, I'm, I'm just got everything that I need because my shepherd takes care of me. And while that may be true, that statement, he makes me lie down in green pastures, this is the image we get. The reality of what David was thinking of when he said this was something a little bit different. Go to the next picture. See, in, in, in Israel, there's three problems, three problems, three major problems in Israel, and it's not the Palestinians, it's not 
ISIS. It's not terrorists. It's not uh, world governments trying to, you know, um, impose sanctions or whatever on Israel. Now, that's, those aren't really the top three problems they have. The top three problems Israel has is water, water, and water. Those are the top three problems in Israel. Water, water, and water. Because they are in a desert climate. If you don't have water, you don't have food. If you don't have food, you don't have the resources to supply for your nation, let alone your army. So, I mean, ISIS can come along, but if you don't have water, you can't fight ISIS. If you don't have, if you don't have water, you can't feed your nation. You can't feed your nation. You've got to import more than you want to maintain yourself. Well, then that, that opens you up. That puts you at a disadvantage. So water is the most important issue in Israel. And there's no green pastures in Israel, by the way, what we would consider a green pasture. And anywhere that is lush enough to be a pasture is farmland because it's so valuable. Because water is such a commodity, such an issue, if there is an area that is lush and green and beautiful, it's automatically constricted to farms or orchards or something. It's not meant for grass to feed sheep. No, no, sheep have to actually go to a place called the Negev, the desert. And they have to pasture in the Negev. And if you want to go to the next picture, you'll see this is what David called a green pasture. Now, you look at that and say, Pastor, there, there ain't a lot of green on that picture. There's a lot of browns and yellows and gray and blue, but, but green is not exactly something you see. Well, it, it might be hard for you to see it, but all these what are maybe dark brown or black dots are, is actually the grass. And, and so when David looked out over his area of, of feeding, you know, this is like near Bethlehem where David was from. He's looking out over his pastures and he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down here in green pastures. Go to the next picture. Since this is not a sand dune, this is actually a grazing hill. These paths that are cut into the side of the hill were cut there by sheep and goats grazing on the hillside. In certain times of the year, this area of the Negev Desert blooms a little bit, and by blooms, I mean it turns a slightly greener shade than brown, because the rains from the Mediterranean, the, the hot, mo moist, humid air blows across, and that moisture condenses in the crevices of the rocks, and if you go to the next picture, next one, the sheep graze on the sides of these mountains, on those little pathways. And one sheep will graze on a pathway above and another sheep will graze on a pathway below. And they'll kind of co-graze the middle section a little bit as they go along. And in between the rocks grows, if you next the next picture, please. In, in between the rocks grows this little tufts of, of very nutritious grass. Go to the next one, if you will. And, and, and while you look at it from a distance, you can't really see 
this grass, but there is actually quite a bit of this kind of grass. Go to the next one. Growing in between the rocks to where camels and sheep can graze and actually get all of the nutrition that they need from this hill itself. Next picture. This particular bit of grass is growing out of the side of a rock, and there's, there's little tufts of it everywhere around under a rock or beside a hill, and it's all over the place. And so David looks at this and says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I may not have overabundance. I may not be a billionaire or a millionaire, and I might be. But, but whatever the case is, like the shepherd, he goes to the hillside and he's able to look at it and say, there's enough here for my flock. I'm going to provide for my flock. I'm not going to be waist deep in alfalfa or, or neck deep in tall, lush green grass. And, and everything may not be perfect. There may be days where there's less tufts of grass than others. But I can look at a desert hill and call it a green pasture because it's where my shepherd is leading me. It's where my shepherd is directing me. See, David is trying to point out the fact that life sometimes looks like a barren desert. And you can look at a situation from the pulled back view and say there's not a whole lot there. There's nothing really good about this situation. But the closer you get to the situation and the more you open your eyes to the reality of the presence of God and the hand of God in your life, you'll begin to find that God has provided you a little tuft of grass here and a little tuft of grass over there. And it, you may look at it from a distance before my dad got a heart attack and passed away. I would look at the idea of losing my parents as, as a barren wasteland, a desert of something I didn't give a lot of attention to because it was pretty much the worst thing I could ever think about and so I never thought about it. But what had happened, I found myself in the middle of a desert and I had to start looking around for little tufts of grass. And sometimes it was just day by day looking for a little tuft of grass here and a little tuft of grass there. And it wasn't much. There was no overabundance but it was just enough to get through the next day. It was just enough to get through the next situation. And God always provided. He always came through. And you look back over it now and you say, my, look at the green pastures we just came through. But if you would have asked me before looking at it, I would have said, that's not a green pasture. That's a desert. But when you get into it and you know to trust your shepherd, you know to trust the Lord because the Lord is your shepherd. You're never going to be in want. He's going to make you lie down in green pastures. He's going to lead you beside still waters. Now, what are the still waters? Again, our mental image, if you want to go to the next picture, is, is something like a big lake, maybe, you know, a beautiful, serene, calm picture, green banks, beautiful, crystal clear waters. But the reality is something a little bit more like this. A little bit of green here, a little bit of green there, and just enough water to get me through the desert. Just enough, a little stream of water. In fact, 
the thing that the second most dangerous thing when you're out grazing your sheep is not so much the hot sun or, or, or maybe the snakes or whatever, but it's the fact that you could, if you got caught in any kind of rainstorm, by chance, if you, if you were grazing at the wrong time of the day and the wrong time of the year where a rainstorm quickly propped up, it would very easily, the raging calm, or the, the, the calm, serene little rivers become raging torrents of water. Because all of a sudden, water is, is flowing over ground that is not moist and is not able to, to hold the water. The water simply runs off in a flash flood. And so it's very dangerous. And so the, the shepherd knows where to go at what time of year to find the still waters. Not the raging waters. Not the dangerous zones. The shepherd knows where I'm going to find the most sustenance. And the shepherd knows where to, where to find the safest place to drink water. So you can see the words of Jesus come a little truer when, you, when he says, Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you eat or what you drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes. Can you be anxious and add a single hour of your life? Why are you anxious about your clothes? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed as one of these. What is the end of his discussion? Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. See, he's the good shepherd. He leads you beside the still waters. He leads you in still waters. He provides what you need when you need it. At the right moment, at the right time, in the right place. And you look over a situation and you say, this isn't exactly where I wanted to go. I was kind of hope for, hoping for the belly deep alfalfa and the beautiful lake with the, the diving board off the side of the dock. You know, that's what I was looking for, Lord. I'm not really looking for this desert wasteland, but, but the closer I trust him, I'll find that I can find just what I need from the location that I'm in. If I'll trust the voice of my shepherd when he leads me beside the still waters. And then I find out that that God isn't just going to meet my needs, but the Bible says he's going to restore my soul. Verse 3. He restores my soul. The word soul there is the word nephesh. It's a, the word for throat. It's not talking about restoring some metaphysical part of your being. He's literally talking about restoring your life force. He's talking about restoring your energy. Restoring your vitality. He's meeting your needs to give you enough energy to get through the next set of things that he has for you. And the Bible says he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. See, the shepherd knew what paths to take his sheep on that would not be too dangerous, but would be the right paths for his sheep to walk. See, how do I... <laughs> How am I restored? 
I believe God wants to restore you. I believe God wants to restore me when we're weak, when we're tired, when we're burnt out. We, we need to seek God for restoration. And the Bible says we find restoration in the paths of righteousness. Now, a quick Bible lesson here. We are not righteous because of the, the good things we do. We're righteous because we've been baptized in Jesus' name. We've been filled with the Spirit of God. God has taken His righteousness and put it onto us. That's what baptism is. It's putting on Christ. It's putting on Jesus. Galatians writes and says, when you're baptized into Christ, it's like putting on a new pair of clothes. It's, you're putting on righteousness. It's not, now God considers you righteous not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus did. And so, but then the psalmist says, he restores my soul by leading me in the paths of righteousness. So we find out what righteousness is for because righteousness in the scripture is not just, is not just what I talked about. Righteousness is God taking his goodness and putting it on you. But righteousness is also obeying and doing the work and the will of God. So righteousness is also doing the right thing. Righteousness is also obeying the laws of God and following the word of God and the scriptures. And, <coughs> excuse me. And obeying the ways of the Lord. And so I read this and I find that God leads me in paths of doing the right thing. And that is what restores my life. You are restored. Your life is restored when you do things God's way. When you tell the truth instead of lying, it will eventually restore your life. Why? Because a lie begets another lie, begets another lie. And weighs on you. You have to calculate in your brain how many lies have I told and how many do I have to continue to tell to keep this particular thing hidden so nobody finds out about it. And, and you be, it's the snowball effect. Well, that ends up being a lot of mental burden to carry. And, and they've actually been able to track it on, on devices, the amount of, of, of mental processing you have to do when you lie. It shows up in, in brain waves, and it shows up in your body temperature, and it shows up on, on different ways so they can put you on a lie detector. A lie detector is really just a monitor for your body's signals that you're processing. You know, it's like the computer. When the computer's thinking really hard, it gets kind of loud, right? The fan goes faster. The, the computer gets warmer. It gets hotter. It's the same way for you. When you're trying to lie and deceive your brain is, is acting faster and working harder to keep everything in order. But when you tell the truth, you just it's just an offload of information. So what is, what, is, what is David saying? He says, when I live righteously, I'm living in a way that's going to bring restoration and healing to my body. When you, when you love the way God wants you to love, when you love righteously, it brings restoration to your soul. When you do the will of God and you obey the laws of God, not in order to be righteous, but you do it to walk in the right path so your soul can be restored. Your life force can be restored when you do things God's way.
When you live God's way and you walk his paths, your life is restored. When it came to the treacherous parts of the wilderness, the shepherds would have to be very on guard. They would have to watch and keep keep their eyes open to the sheep and the flock and make sure that they were on the right path so they didn't fall off and hurt themselves. Psalm 5 verse 8 says, Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make my way straight before my face. God wants to make a straight path for us to walk. And that straight path is the path of righteousness. Psalm 23 verse 4 comes to that part that maybe all of you have experienced at some point in your life. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Sometimes the shepherd had to take his sheep through a valley. And valleys could be treacherous because of rocks sliding, robbers hiding, snakes, you know, hiding under a rock. And all of these dangers were very real to the sheep. It's such a beautiful phrase until we realize we're not there by accident. (laughs) The shepherd is actually leading us through the valley of the shadow of death. The shepherd has equated that it's easier to go through this valley of the shadow of death than it is to go around. It's better for the sheep to go through the valley than to go around the valley. And we may look at the valley of the shadow of death, whether it's a death in your family or a a, a difficult health situation or a financial situation, and you look at it and you say, this is a valley in my life of, of the like that I feel the shadow of death looming over me. David says, even though the shepherd leads me through that valley, I will not fear. Why? Because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The shepherd's rod was different from his staff. There was two instruments. The shepherd's rod was more like a club. It was a short stick. It had a wider end and a thinner end, kind of like a baseball bat or a club. And the shepherd would keep the, the rod with him. And this, 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 this rod would sometimes, even if it was crafted out of a root, it would have the knob of a root on the end of it. And, and it acted as a very, very dangerous weapon. And essentially, the rod was something that the shepherd would use for various things. It was a covering of authority over the sheep because the shepherd would hold the rod out and the sheep would pass underneath the rod and the shepherd would count one, two, three, four. And they'd feel the touch of that that knob on the top of their head, five, six. And they knew they could go into the pen. And, And at nighttime, in the evening, the shepherd would have his sheep lay down And he'd go up to them individually, probably pick out the ones he thought were the most vulnerable. And he'd walk up to the sheep and he'd take his rod and he'd part the the wool of the sheep. And he'd look for ticks, he'd look for bugs, he'd look for scrapes. 
And the rod would be the thing that signified his authority. If the sheep were getting out of line, he'd give them a quick tap to let them know, hey, you know, smarten up. You know, it's kind of like the wooden spoon for moms. Hey, whip it out and smack. Hey, smarten up. It's the rod. Thy rod. And David said this rod comforted him. Because when the rod was used on the sheep, it was also always to count. It was always to part the wool and to check it for scrapes or, or, or wounds that needed to be tended to and healed. But the same rod that was used with a tender hand toward the sheep was used as a weapon against wolves, bears, lions, or any other varmin, maybe a, a thief that would come and try to steal the sheep. The rod would then become a club in the hand of a shepherd. And the club could easily beat back the vicious attack of a wild animal. It could beat back the, the thieving hand of a, of a thief that had come to steal, kill, and destroy the flock. The shepherd's rod was a covering of authority. The shepherd's rod was the thing that all the sheep had to pass underneath. The shepherd's rod was the thing, much by the way, the Hebrews, when they begin to talk about their king, they use the same word to talk about the king's scepter that they used to talk about the, the shepherd's rod. It was the same Hebrew word because it was regarded as the same thing. The scepter of the king covered his people, protected his people, but also it was the scepter that went out against the enemy and said the enemy has got to be defeated. We've got to go out and take him out. We've got to take that enemy out. And it was David that said his rod and his staff, they comfort me. You can look at the laws of God. You can look at the word of God like a club. And you can say, see, it's just a bunch of rules that wants to beat me into submission and, and hurt me and bruise me. Or you can look at it the way a sheep looks at the shepherd. Yes, the shepherd's rod is hard and it's straight and it's, it's defined. There is no wiggle room when it comes to the rod of the shepherd, but that rod is what comforts me because it cares for me. It provides me. It leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. His rod and his staff. The staff was a longer stick. The staff is something that maybe you're familiar with, has a little crook on the end. Because it was the staff that would reach out and pull the sheep from the edge of a cliff. It was the staff that would be reached out and to guide the sheep along. So there's God's authority and his direction. David says his authority protects me and his direction guides me. It comforts me when I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death. His word is a light unto my feet. It's a lamp unto my path. It's his word. It's his rod, it's his staff that comforts me. Can we stand this morning? I don't know where you're, what you're facing, what you're going through this morning. Some of you, I guess I do know a little bit, but, but ultimately God knows where you're at. You can trust him. The Lord is your shepherd today. You can take your needs to him. You can take your burdens to him. He's going to lead you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I wanted to comfort somebody. I want the, the Holy Ghost to comfort you today. And for you to know that I don't, you know, it doesn't matter what you're going through. There is a tuft of grass somewhere in your valley. 
There is a still water that God is going to lead you beside. There is a shepherd that's going to guide you by the hand and guide you with his voice. Trust in him. Leave your anxieties with him. Depend and lean on him this morning. If you have a need, would you just bring it before the Lord now in prayer? Would you just talk to him? He is your shepherd. He cares about you. He cares about what you're facing, what you're going through, what you're experiencing this morning. He cares about your situation, your needs. He is your shepherd. You don't have to worry. He's going to provide everything that you need. Learning to lean, I'm learning to lean, I'm learning to lean on Jesus, finding more power than I've ever dreamed. I'm learning to lean on Jesus, learning to lean, I'm learning to lean, I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Finding more power than I've ever dreamed. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you for being our shepherd. Thank you for caring for us, God. You're going to provide everything that we have need of. We shall not want. Your rod and your staff comfort us. You take care of your people. Comfort your people today, Lord. Be with them and keep your hand upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. Sister Barb, the show is yours. I guess you can be seated. I don't, I don't. <laughs>